Welcome back, everybody, to Mavericks and Misfits. My name's Jeff. Glad that you have tuned in. If you're a regular listener, you know what Mavericks and Misfits is all about. And if you are a brand new listener, we welcome you. And um, I hope that you'll continue to listen. Maybe even scroll back somewhere wherever you're listening and check out the uh, previous um, podcast, uh, the episodes that we've been doing for a little over two years. And, um, you know, it's kind of meat and potatoes. What you hear is what you get. Nothing super fancy. I don't claim to have any kind of, um, you know, special nuanced angle on all things in the kingdom of God. Uh, what we do here is we basically take a look at Christian living, Christian beliefs, the lives of Christians who, um, come from different, um, denominational stripes. And my, I think consistent thread is to point you back to what does the word say? And uh, to do so in a way that is not some dry, dead Bible study, but to really get Christians to think about what they believe, why they believe, and how is it impacting their lives. Um, We see a huge disconnect all across um, the big C church. We see it um, manifest in our little C local churches. And there is just so much chatter nowadays about um, what Christianity is, what the church is, what is the kingdom of God. What is God saying? What is God doing? And um, in the midst of a lot of the sometimes conflicting voices, um, the beauty of it is that we're able to, for those of us that are seeking, for those of us that are asking the Lord, those of us that are willing to make the changes that he requires of us as we pursue him, uh, we're, we're finding the beauty of the kingdom in our generation. And that that is actually what thrills me. I'm, I've been doing this a while, leading in the body of Christ. And pouring my life primarily into the local church. And, um, you know, at the age that I have found myself, I'm, I'm finding that the thing that I like the most is to see the spiritual light bulbs go off in those people that I have the privilege of leading or teaching or influencing and, um, for them to get it themselves and run with it. I think if you are a leader in the kingdom, Um, and you are still in that place where you're trying to attract people to you because you want to build your ministry and you need to use people to make your vision happen, man, I I just want to say to you guys, and, and I'm sure, you know, at the core of it, you're just wanting to do something great for God. But man, if you're still in that place where you view people as, um, you know, commodities to make your vision happen, um, I would say that it's a good time to repent of that. And it's, it's start viewing, pardon me, <clears throat> start viewing people as who they are. They are precious as unto the Lord. And the best thing that a leader can do in the kingdom is to help somebody find out who they are in the Lord and to answer the question, who am I? And then answer the second question, why am I? And leaders in the kingdom are supposed to serve the Lord by identifying and raising up people and helping them step into the fullness of their identity and then release them into what God has for them. And that's my joy. And the podcast is part of that. And so if you've tuned in for the first time today, that's a, that's just kind of a quick snapshot. We, we talk about more and we do more, but ultimately just so you know, my heart, my heart is to help you. My heart is to get you to think. And, um, I don't claim to have all of the final answers, but I have learned some things and, um, I want to, I want to share those with those that are those that are listening. And so whether it be on Mavericks and Misfits podcast or whether it be at the local church that I pastor or whether it be at Caneo Ministry Training Center in Dawsonville where I teach and lead in the school up there, 
um, or Transforming Truth, um, where all of our media and teachings and sermons and writings and all that stuff, my book, is through Transforming Truth. The whole point of all of that is not to build a brand, is not to build a name. It is literally to provide resources to help Christians along in their journey. And if I can accomplish that and stand before the Lord at the end of the age and give an account and know that, you know, I did that assignment for his glory and for the good of others, then I think I'm going to be a pretty happy guy. And um, I hope that you're finding out, you know, what your place is and what your purpose is. And today I want to talk to you just a little bit about something that um, depending on what um, slice of the church you're in, it'll have either more or less of an impact. Um, I grew up in a denomination, spiritually grew up in a denomination that believed that the gifts of the Holy Spirit um, ceased uh, somewhere around the end of the first century. Um, We were taught that either because the Bible was complete and we no longer needed the miraculous, the signs, the wonders, the prophets, the apostles, we were taught that the Bible is now Um, able to do all the things that prophets did, apostles did, um, signs, wonders, miracles, and all the gifts of the Spirit. And then another slice said, well, no, it's not really about the Bible being complete. It's just all those gifts died off. Um, They tapered off and then came to a cessation um, when the the first apostles died, the original 12. And all those gifts and all that supernatural, beautiful stuff died with them. And, you know, I, I believe that because that was the teaching that got to me first. And then over the years, um, I probably believe that for the first six years of my Christian journey. Um, and then I started questioning it and then I started studying it. And as I looked into the Bible, I thought none of what I have been taught about the gifts of the spirit and the offices of apostle, prophet, and the other uh, three offices in the church, <laughs> nothing I had been taught was biblically based. It, it really wasn't. And I don't say that to be offensive to anybody that still believes that. I'm just saying it's not in the Bible. There's not a single verse in the Bible that says that the gifts have presently stopped. It says that they'll stop when <laughs> the kingdom is consummated and Jesus Christ returns. But until then, uh, not only do the fivefold offices of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher continue, but so do the gifts of the Spirit. And so I had a radical shift in the um, late 90s, early 2000s, and then became more and more confident in my theological position on that. And then, of course, um, if you're familiar with my story, I write about it in my book, Figuring It Out As I Go. Um, I had a personal radical encounter a couple of years after my theology shifted, uh, the Holy Spirit you know, began to manifest these gifts and beautifully just stroked my life with his touch and his power. And I've never been the same since. And so I do, I believe in apostolic ministry. I believe in prophetic ministry, evangelistic ministry, shepherding ministry, and teaching ministry, because that those were God's idea. Those are found in Ephesians four. If you want to read about fivefold ministry, as it's commonly referred, go to Ephesians four. That's really not my point today, but my, my thought is this, if it was God's idea and he put it in the word and it's very clear in the word, both in teaching and examples in the book of Acts, who are you and I to remove that from its place of legitimacy in the scripture? Because there's nowhere else in the scripture that says those things came to an end. 
And so um, over the years, um, transitioning a denominational church, I just it was Baptist, we were Baptist, and I transitioned and um, just through the Word of God, transitioned that congregation to become a congregation that embraced the gifts of the Spirit, not without some pain. It was very painful. We went through some bumpy uh, seasons. Uh, but ultimately, we merged our Baptist church with a biblically-based Assemblies of God church, and we formed a church back then called Newbridge Church. That church doesn't exist in that name anymore because then we merged with the House of Prayer in Atlanta, and uh, that church became Gate City Church. And the premise is that we need the Word and the Spirit. And I know if you're listening to this podcast regularly, you're like, Jeff, you talk about that regularly. I know I do. <laughs> I know I do because it's one of the things that the Lord is saying to the church. And a lot of people that listen to this podcast are still unsure. Do they need the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Do we actually need apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers? I thought we just need evangelists, teachers, and pastors. Apostles and prophets aren't necessary. And I would say, well, just show me that in the Bible because I'm a Bible guy. And if the Bible didn't erase what is written in the Bible, then you better not erase it and you better adjust accordingly. And I would say that to all leaders, all uh, people, it's not enough just to sign off on. It's not enough to say, well, yeah, the Bible does not teach that the gifts have ceased or the offices of fivefold have ceased. No, it's not enough to give it a nod theologically. We have to be living that out. Like fivefold ministry is the blueprint for church establishing, for the maturing of the saints, for the advance of the gospel, for the teaching of doctrine, and for the caring of people who are Christians within a local community. Like God didn't just put it out there as an idea. It's a functional, it's a functional theology. And yet so many churches would be like, yeah, that'd be too hard to do. Plus I'm a pastor, Jeff. And if, if I sign off on the fivefold, that means I need some apostolic oversight and I'm, I'm leading this thing. I don't want any apostolic oversight. I don't want any prophets speaking in what I'm doing. I got all these good programs. We're winning people to Jesus. I'm teaching the word of God. Isn't that enough? We're caring for our people. Well, that may theoretically be enough for you personally to maintain a cozy church that is non-missional. Um, and even if you're able to achieve the results, I would just say, but don't you care? Don't, is it not important that we do things God's way? I said, I wasn't going to talk about this in the whole podcast and I'm really not, but I'm just trying to establish the background for why I believe so strongly in the need for reformation in the church. Uh, the church needs to be reformed. It is what God is doing. Part of what God is doing right now. He's reforming the church. As my friend Roy Giese of Outreach Church in Greenville says, the gray area is thinning. It's disappearing. Things are becoming predominantly more uh, clear, uh, black and white if we want to call it that way, not racially, but uh, as far as truth and um, error. And so Christians are very soon, it's happening right now, but there's going to come a time where like every Christian is going to have to decide, am I in or am I not? And when I use the word Christian, I'm not just talking, I'm, I'm not specifically talking about the genuinely converted, the, the disciples, modern day disciples of Jesus. I'm talking about Christian as it is nominally referenced in our culture. It's just, yeah, I'm a Christian, especially down here in the Bible Belt. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm a conservative. I've tried to do moral things. I'm a Christian. And, uh, or I go to church or, you know, I do good works or I serve at my church. And I'm thinking there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But are you born again? Are you saved? Go back a couple of podcasts ago, last podcast. And just answer the question. Listen to that podcast and just say, am I really real? And so the Lord is reforming the church because um, the 
the church, the actual church, the flock of the redeemed, the remnant of Holy Ghost filled, born again, saved followers of Jesus that are radically committed to the son of God and not, you know, just sampling him on a couple of days a week. Um, we need to be doing things God's way because, uh, we're the only hope for revival. You, you just hear me on that. When God sends revival, it'll be through the committed bride. It won't be through some nominally Christianized institution where people are, you know, paying their 10% fee to walk in the door, listen to the professionals do ministry and leave. Nope, what's coming is going to be 100% carried on the backs of those that are um, truly saved. And the more I'm thinking about this, the more I'm just going <laughs> to... You guys that listen all the time, y'all know this is how I roll sometimes. I, I start out thinking I'm going to talk about something, and then I start feeling the unction on what I'm saying. And so what I was going to talk to you about will be in the next podcast. I'll talk to you about uh, false prophets. That's really what I sat down today in the studio wanting to talk about, but I'm just feeling the Lord on this. Um, I know, guys, that repetition, we, we live in a day where we're very much like those people in the book of Acts where Paul went to Athens and the Bible says when Paul showed up in Athens, all the people there always want, they were just there, they always wanted to hear something new and novel. And when Paul brought, you know, the testimony of Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected, they were definitely interested because it was something new and to them it was novel. But when you follow Paul, wherever he went, he was kind of preaching the same thing. He was writing about the same thing. He's pointing everybody to Jesus. And so sometimes in the Bible, you're going to find this pattern of, uh, you know, writers, prophets, apostles, teachers, they're saying the same thing over and over again. And in our day, we just don't have any patience because we're like those Athenian people, people in Athens. We just give us something new, man. Give us something cool. Well, what if the Lord is saying, I'm not going to send something new because you're not doing anything with the last things I've been telling you. And so sometimes, um, teachers, preachers, pastors, podcasters, (laughs) we, we, we say similar things over and over again because it's the Holy Spirit trying to get a hold of people saying, you did not hear this. So I'm going to say it again and I'm going to again, I'm going to again, he's just going to keep saying it. So when you hear me talk about the construct of the church, let me just ask you a question. What kind of church do you belong to? And I'm, I'm asking, I'm asking you to ask that because you can't answer me, but I'm asking you to ask it. What's going on at my church? Like, is my church a New Testament church or is it on the way to becoming a New Testament church? Because no church has fully arrived yet. We're all deeply flawed um, because we're all in process as individuals, including those who lead churches. And so churches are in process. And of course, you know, some people that are, especially those that are podcast junkies won't go to church because they got church hurt. And they got wounded and, you know, there's safety in just listening to a podcast feed and they're not doing life with people. If that's you, you listen, I love you and I understand I've been church hurt. I'm a pastor and I've been church hurt, but Jesus sees everything that's wrong with local churches and he sees what's everything that's wrong in the American church, the big C church, and he sees everything wrong in the global church. And guess what? He's never backed off his commitment to the church. And that means local churches too. local assemblies as flawed as they are. They are still the reflection and the representation of Jesus in the world today. And so um, just watching online or just listening to podcasts is not the key. Why? Because Jesus Christ left this world and entrusted his mission and his name being represented 
two churches. And a lot of people um, have just gotten to the place where like, yeah, I don't need the church. And I just always push back on that and say, yeah, churches need you. You may not need the church. You're wrong about that, by the way, but you may not feel the need for church. Churches need you. Christianity is not uh, a series of millions of siloed individuals standing independently from one another. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And scripture goes to great length to talk about our unity in the one another statements in the Bible. Love one another, bear with one another, serve one another, honor one another, obey each other, submit to one another. That's, it's, it's there. And you can't do that if you're isolated. And so when it comes down to this organizational aspect of the church, here's what I want to leave you with. Um, one of the primary works that God has been doing, I would say I've been noticing it pretty aggressively. Um, I've been noticing it very visually. In other words, you can see it for about six to seven years, but I haven't seen it at the level I'm seeing it now ever. What am I talking about? God is calling his church back to an Ephesians 4, five-fold approach to the gospel, to the kingdom, to local church. And that five-fold office of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher, that five-fold, those are offices in the church. Not every Christian, most Christians do not hold and are never meant to hold a leadership office in the church. That Not everybody's supposed to be a leader. But every local church should have some, some willingness and commitment in moving towards a fivefold paradigm. And again, without getting too deep in the weeds, most churches are led by the person called pastor. And what is ironic is in scripture, guess which office is least referenced? The pastor. I'll even go so far as to say when you see pastors in the scripture that the word itself does not denote authoritative leadership. It denotes caring, concerned, and certainly influence. But when you, when you're, you are viewing the leadership offices of power and authority, and those things are real, spiritual authority, spiritual power delegated by God into certain individuals within the body of Christ. That's real. You may not like that. That's okay. It's still real. And so that typically is never attached to the office of pastor. It's attached to the office of apostle, prophet, and sometimes teacher. Isn't that interesting that there are entire segments of the body of Christ who have done away with apostle and prophet. And lo and behold, those are the two primary revelations of leadership and authority in the church. Sounds like a demonic doctrine to remove that. It would just be exactly like Satan to say, let's convince them that there are no apostolic leaders appointed by God anymore. Let's convince all these Christians there are no prophetic offices in the church anymore. And that way, what we've got is we've got pastors and teachers and evangelists, which those are three amazing God-ordained offices in the church. But on their own, they're incomplete because if there's not apostolic leadership and vision there and there's not a prophetic word, what is God saying right now? What is God doing? then it, it's incomplete. 
And so I think one of the questions I like to ask people is like, what's going on at your church? And some of you are church leaders. What are you doing? My leadership companions, my comrades, my brothers and sisters in arms. What are you doing at your church to lead your church back to the original design? Amy got a word the other day. It was so interesting. My wife hears the Lord clearly. And sometimes when he speaks to her, she just writes it down and doesn't even know what it means. And uh, we were in a, we were somewhere uh, yesterday and she just hands me her phone and she had typed this note um, during one of her morning prayer times. And she heard the Lord say, I'm resetting the church to factory settings. I'm resetting the church to factory settings. Amy's like, I don't know what that means. My wife is not a techie by any stretch of the imagination. I knew exactly what it meant. That the Lord, when you get a phone, it comes and the designer and builder of that phone um, says, this is the way we want to present this to you. Now, when it comes to a phone or a tablet, you're allowed to add your own stuff. You can add apps, you can change settings, you can change the display, you can do whatever you want because you're the proprietary owner of your digital device. So the, the you know Apple or Samsung sends you that device with factory settings. They say, this is how it can work. And we get to change that. But here's the deal. God has factory settings for how the church is supposed to work. And the manual is the Bible. And he actually never endorsed us changing the factory settings for how churches are to be led, how the authority power structure and, and literally doctrine to be disseminated, people to be discipled, people to be cared for, the kingdom to be advanced through missional aspects. God never said, okay, hey, I'm going to send it to you factory settings, but customize it for yourself. And that's what we've done, man. We've customized our churches and to the extent where we have um, really violated God's original factory settings. And we're wondering why the device, the church doesn't work anymore because God never intended to us to get our little sweaty, grimy fingerprints on his factory settings. You can do it with your phone. You can do it with just about any device you own. But you and I both know that even on some devices, if you mess with the settings in the wrong way, the device doesn't work. And who do you have to call? Tech support. <laughs> you got to get a professional to fix what you did by changing settings. And I'm just here to tell you, we've we changed so many settings on our churches, in our belief about the church, that we don't even know, most don't know, what are the factory settings. And I'm, I want to just submit to you just eagerly that your church is going to be called of God to go back to the factory settings of the fivefold offices of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. And here's the thing. That's going to be really, really hard work for 99% of the churches that exist in America because we haven't been taught properly. And our churches are built upon the gifting of an individual a tremendous oratory coming from our pulpit or an evangelistic pastor that builds the church upon winning more people to Jesus. Or it could be that the pastor is maybe just adequate in the pulpit, 
but makes the people feel very loved and very affirmed and very cared for. Look, that's what good pastors do. But you can't lead a church in the kingdom and prepare the flock for what's coming and what's actually already here. You can't do that by just affirming them nonstop and caring for them and providing for them. And all people come to the pastor because the pastor is there to meet all the needs. Pastors should be working under apostolic leaders. But let me just tell you, very, very few pastors are going to say, I now see we should be a five-fold dynamic paradigm in our church, and that requires me to humble myself, to relinquish some of my authority, to come up under an apostolic covering, to recognize missional gifting, apostolic pioneering gifting, and I'm going to take a step back and we're going to welcome fivefold to now come. We're going to cultivate apostolic oversight, prophetic uh, informing of the church. What is God saying? What is God doing? And we're going to radically change back to the factory settings. Most churches won't do that. But I'm asking you, what's going on in your church? So I'll give you a testimony and then we'll close for today. And I'll talk to you about false prophets next time. Um, uh, our church is, uh, just a couple of years ago, I left a very wonderful community of believers and that was called Newbridge church. They're called gate city. Now, um, it was a very apostolic, very fivefold, um, very much seeking to be the representation of a new Testament church and a community that is missional founded on night and day prayer and getting the gospel to the nations. They're still doing all of that. Wonderful people. And God called me away because I really felt like at that time they had all the leadership that they needed down there. And I was itching to, to do some, the same thing in a smaller place. And, um, all of those pieces came together later and I ended up moving to a, a little church called the church at Winder, literally going from a church that pre COVID, I think at Newbridge, we were around 1100 people per week. And, uh, when I went to church at Winder, I think there were 125 people. And uh, immediately uh, began to um, teach and preach and try my very best through, um, you know, a biblical foundation to tell the people um, the Lord is calling all churches back to factory settings, as my lovely prophetic wife would say. Um, and so I began to preach and teach the fivefold. And it was new revelation to almost everybody in the church. People were familiar with the terms, but they didn't know what does that actually mean. It's a great thing to consider from Ephesians 4 and other places in the book of Acts. But what does that actually mean for us as a local church? And over time, I began to talk with the elders and our staff and leaders and just say, well, we're going we're gonna to actually do this. We're actually going to raise up and train. Uh, we're going to identify fivefold leaders in the congregation currently. We're going to move to a fivefold paradigm for ministry. So what does that mean? Let me just give you this, okay? For us, and I don't think that there is a tight one way to do it, but it must be done. It must be done. So you have to have an apostolic leader. And I'll clarify, not every apostolic gifted leader is an apostle. We, and this is a separate podcast I could do one day, but we need to understand the difference between the office of apostle and apostolic gifting, the office of a prophet and prophetic gifting, the office of an evangelist and evangelistic zeal. The gifting doesn't necessarily solidify the office. 
That's why I'll tell you, most of you will lean either towards pastoral or teaching or evangelistic or visionary apostolic or, you know, you flow in the prophetic. That doesn't mean you carry that title. Stop self-titling. You don't need a title. But when it comes to establishing structure and leadership paradigms in a church, if God has supplied an apostle, he needs to be leading. I'll just give you that. If, if God has supplied a prophet, then that prophet needs to be informing what's happening in that house. And same thing with an evangelist and a teacher and a pastor. And so what we've done is we've identified five leaders in our church. There are more, but we have recruited and trained, informed, and I am working with five leaders. And each of those leaders heads up that jurisdiction. So we have a woman that heads up our teaching jurisdiction within our church. We have a man that heads up our pastoral care, literally shepherding that part of our church. I work alongside with another man and, um, we head up apostolic. And then I have a lady who heads up prophetic. And then we have another man who heads up evangelistic. These are five leaders, all of them clearly ordained by God for those offices. And so what we do is now we identify people with that gifting and we, we bring them up and we say, we want you to help our pastoral arm of ministry here at the church. We want you to be trained and consecrated and in the word so you can speak prophetically in the church, come up under Uh, the leader of that prophetic ministry, and we want you to be part of our prophetic team. And the same thing with shepherding and teaching. And the only one that is not like got 50 people under it is the apostolic branch. Because I don't think churches need, I don't think God, the the apostle office is rare. And so many people just, you know, self-title, I'm an apostle. I'm a man, you read Rick Renner's new book, Apostles and Prophets read that or prophets and apostles. It's Rick Renner. Now it's a 1200 page book. I'm working my way through it right now. Um, but like people self title, I'm a prophet. I'm a, I'm an apostle. You you need to be really wise. Go ahead and embrace the ick, ick, prophetic, apostolic, teaching, pastoring, evangelistic. Like you don't have to have a title to have a purpose. And if you're jealous of people with titles, then you're not qualified. You're not even fit to get a title if you're jealous of people that have titles where you don't have one yet. So anyway, back to what I was saying, and I really am going to close right here. Um, so we, we had to overhaul. We had to, we had to fold up the old wineskin of how we did church. And it was painful. A lot of people hiccuped on it. They were not happy about it because you, it's, it's not a subtle nuance to change. It is an overhaul. And the church in America needs an overhaul and churches in America need overhauls, not tweaking, not adornments, not a little, you know, makeup. Uh, We need radical (laughs) surgery to fix some of the ugly stuff that we have allowed to happen. And it all begins with your leadership. And so friends, I want to say this, be an agent of influence at your home church. And I'm going to be very careful how I say what I'm about to say. 
if you are part of a local church that has no interest in aligning with what scripture says local churches are to be, you need to leave that church. And I know that's a hard saying, but what I'm saying, you need to hear what I did say. I didn't say if your church is not there yet, you need to leave that church. What I'm saying is if among your current leaders, there is no possibility of moving into an Ephesians 4 framework for ministry. If your church does not believe in apostolic ministry, you're in the wrong church. It could be a good church. It could be a loving church. It could be a fruitful church in the sense of people getting saved and, you know, coming together and there's ministry and there's programs and they bless your kids and all that. That's fine, but that's not good enough because that's not God's design. Factory reset. And so if your church cannot or will not adjust accordingly, and if you cannot be a reformer within that church working under the authority of the current leaders to reform the church, to help your leaders see and understand, then you're, you need to be in a different church. And you need to find one. And you need to help that church take the advantage of the last pages of the last chapters before the second coming. And we need to do this thing rightly. For you churches that are open and eager and desiring, you guys that are part of those churches, some of you are pastors and leaders, it feels like pressure what I'm saying. Um, But I want you to know that God gives grace and resources to make the changes that we're talking about. And he won't leave you hanging. And he's going to bless you for saying in humility and faith, we've got to do it his way. I know you don't know how. I I didn't know how. I told you I started really plowing into this about seven years ago and he and I started trying to do it about a year ago at the church where I pastor and all hell broke loose against it not just from people but from the demonic realm Um, I heard a, a retired general say this the other day when you're taking flack and that's just when you're taking ammunition when you're getting fired on it tells you you're over the right target and so it's it's not easy but it's right to make these changes And so maybe I'll talk more about this in upcoming podcasts. And I'm not the guru. I'm not the dude with all the answers. Maybe one day I can have a lot of the answers and my goal would be to help other churches to do this. But um, (laughs) that's why I call my book Figuring It Out As I Go because that's my entire Christian life. My entire Christian life is to get um, first step commands from the Lord and start obeying. And as I'm walking, he tells me out. He tells me how to do the next step and the next step. And I figure it out as I go, not on my own. I figure it out by listening, waiting, and obeying. And some of you just need to get back into that pattern. We call that faith. We call it faith. When you don't have all the answers, but God says, take a step in the right direction, we call that faith. And so he'll show you. And my goal would be to get to a place where I can help local churches because we are doing it. We're actually doing it at uh, what is called the Church at Winder. And um, by the way, we're changing that name because we recognize the new season we're in. Um, That's not who we are anymore. It is the current name, and it takes legal stuff and signage and all our logos and all that crazy stuff. It doesn't really matter, but um, we'll be changing the name of it to be more suitable for this, um, this next season. So listen, my time's gone. I appreciate you tuning in today. The next one I'm going to talk about is going to be about false prophets. And uh, thank you for being a listener. If you um, have a desire um, and want to get more resources, go to transformingtruth.org. 
And if you actually just want to make everything simple, just download the free Transforming Truth app. On the Transforming Truth app, everything we make available um, is in that app, including this podcast. Um, You can also listen to this podcast on your computer at maverickmisfit.com or just get the app. And then on Transforming Truth, go to our YouTube channel. All our videos are there. I do 30-minute segments, uh, full sermons from where I preach. And um, again, guys, I'm... I don't need a bunch of people in my raw, raw corner. This is not, I'm, I'm so out of that. Like maybe when I got started in my twenties, I wanted a following and stuff and, um, I don't care anymore. I, I just want to help the willing. And if you're tuning in or you're watching and you're want to make use of those resources and you're willing to helps there. All right. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. And we'll talk to you next time on Mavericks and Misfits. Have you picked up a copy of Jeff's book, Figuring It Out As I Go? His life story of abandonment as a child, an embrace of the occult and addiction as a teenager, and a nearly deadly battle with depression and rage as a young adult serves as an intense backdrop to Jeff's supernatural conversion at the age of 24. From there, Jeff writes of powerful seasons of deliverance, healing, and breakthrough, which were followed by tragedy, betrayal, and deep challenges which only God could turn around. If you want to hear a powerful account of the triumph of God's grace and Jeff's surprising journey into the mysteries of the Holy Spirit, pick up a copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at jefflyle.com or wherever else you buy books. You can also download a copy of Jeff narrating Figuring Out As I Go on audible.com.